Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, regulatory updates, and current standard setting. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're taking a slightly different look at things, and we're going to look from the investor's perspective and to hear what they're interested in. So I'm joined by Hilary Eastman, who is our Global Head of Investor Engagement. Welcome to the studio, Hilary. Thank you. So now I'm an accountant. I love debits and credits. That's all I'm really interested in, Hilary. But I'm guessing the investors are maybe interested in something else. Do they love debits and credits? Not many of them do, no. (laughs) I'm sure there's some closet debit and credit fans. But we really, I suppose, we've had lots of podcasts on the new accounting standards for revenue and leasing. And so what we're going to look at today is what are the investor community interested in in those new standards? So first of all, let's start at the top. How knowledgeable are the investment community about those new standards? That's a really good question because I think it is quite varied. The accounting standards that are that are coming into effect this year and the one next year are really important for investors. I think revenue recognition is something that investors are and analysts are always looking at very closely. I mean, it's the top line. It's one of the numbers that they pay a lot of attention to. Some of them will have been involved with or following the project with IASB. Some of them, most, the vast majority of them won't have been, so this will be very new for them. So to the extent that companies can, can help them understand what the changes are, that'll be useful. I think for leases, it's a bit different because leases have been capitalized on the balance sheet you know, from the investment community all, for years. So they've always tried to figure out what the... Kind of financial obligation is for the company and put that on the balance sheet. So accounting the, is almost just catching up with what they already thought anyway. Yeah. So the difference, the interesting thing will be how different their kind of back of the envelope calculations that they've yeah. been doing for years will be from what IFRS 16 requires companies to start capitalizing and putting on the balance sheet. So, and then also the income statement affects yeah. that. Yeah, something you said there, like, so my full-time job is obviously to, like, watch what happens at the standard setter and have an opinion on it and write stuff about it. And it's hard for someone else that that's not their full-time job, even if they're investing, to be on top of those projects that, in example, insurance went on for, like, 21 years. So you're not going to... There's not many people that would have been to every board meeting. So it is hard to keep on top, I think, of all the different changes and you know, even headlines of those different standards. Yeah, and I think it's important for companies to remember, and I think they probably already know this, the way that investors and analysts get informed and educated about new accounting standards or any kind of accounting changes, whether it's a big one like 15, 16, and 9, et cetera, or if it's a, a minor amendment to a standard, they find out about it from the companies themselves. So it's the the better disclosure and explanation and clearer explanation that companies can give the better off they'll be when the investment community is trying to analyze their results so just picking up on that what can companies do in the run-up to this real big implementation period over the next couple of the years with revenue leasing and financial instruments what can they do to help the investment community one of the things that we've heard in, even quite recently, I mean, it's the you know December thirty first, two thousand seventeen just hit us. So I mean, it, IFRS fifteen is effective now, and there are a lot of 
investors and analysts that we've been speaking to over the past several weeks that are saying that they have no idea what the impact is going to be for companies. And they're really struggling to understand what that's going to be and then therefore what they should put in their models. Um, you know, so the expectations are kind of all over the place at the moment in terms of the impact. And some of those are going to be relying on sell-side analyst research that are, you know, that may or may not be informed. And sometimes you'll read research papers about the implementation effect of a new accounting standard, and you'll see that some companies will be pointed out as being hugely affected, and some will be not very much affected. And then you'll read a different bank's research report, and it'll be the opposite. So, you know, that's not a good situation for companies, because yeah. when the real, when the results actually come out, if those aren't you know, and somehow, you know, the market's going to figure out what the implications are for the company and uh, and surprises are never good for the market. Yeah. And like one thing from, from an IFRS perspective, obviously, when there's a new accounting standard, we really push, you know, ISA says you need to say what the impact's going to be. Lots of regulators around the world have said for these new standards, they want a really good disclosure. So disclosure is one bit. What like Is there more to it around communication of those new standards? Definitely more to it, because also you have to remember that not everybody's reading the annual yeah. report. And oftentimes, especially for these new accounting standards, the earnings release will come out. And then there will be some information about the new standard, but most of that information is not going to come out until you know a few weeks later when the annual report comes out. And by yeah. that point, the market's already reacted. So one thing that I have heard that investors and analysts find really, really effective and useful is when companies have specific calls, educational calls for their investors and analysts to talk about the implications of the new standards on their company. So it happened uh, with... Uh, the last big one was probably when IFRS was adopted in Europe. And yeah. so some companies had several hours, sometimes full day events where they would go through, these are the changes, this is how it's different from what we were doing before, and this is what it means for our business, and this is what you're going to see, these are the new line items, this is economically what it means. And the, the feedback I've heard from the investment community is that is very, very helpful, and primarily because they're not technical accountants, so they don't know what it is. Um, and also because it's the company's way of explaining the impact on them. So it's not like hearing it from, you know, watching an ISB webcast about yeah. what does IFRS 15 mean? Or yeah. hearing, you know, reading That's our in-depth. Yes, five steps. <laughs> Revenue recognition. Or, you know, reading one of our in-depth publications that are very technical. It's you know, the company coming at it from a, you know, how do you talk to a normal person kind of perspective yeah and like almost I imagine like this isn't what I look at but like ha- delivering their story like we get so much pushback even from the financials on don't just give us boilerplate like you said mm-hmm. don't just say what the five steps are how does it really impact you yeah. and like what's your company how does it impact your company's story and things like that I yeah. imagine is yeah yeah and it should be really clear I mean revenue is a great example it should be really clear when you explain the the implications of the new accounting standards that it should be clear what is it that you sell and who do you sell it to and what you know what are the cost implications of that too so there's you know you'd be surprised at how many how many companies do use that boilerplate language and you would never know by reading the paragraph about the revenue recognition what it is they actually make or sell yeah so a call with the investment community around these new standards it sounds like it's really valued Mm -hmm. and I think clear communication you said as well 
What about, have you heard any concerns when you've been discussing with the investor community? I think the biggest concern from memory that comes up is that oftentimes they feel like whenever there's some big change, and sometimes it's not just the accounting standard to say there's a big acquisition or something or a management change, that companies use that opportunity to hide bad news. So some are expecting that when, so for example, when IFRS 15 comes in, that they're going to see lots of other changes kind of buried in there that management says now it's a good opportunity to do that. So they can be quite cynical and um, and a bit distrustful. So hiding bad news is probably the number one thing that they're worried about. Yeah. Um, A couple other things that come up are uh, opportunities for structuring. So will companies try to get around the rules or get around disclosure requirements by structuring a, a transaction in a certain way? We hear that with IFRS 16 most often, but it comes up with some of the other standards as well. And... So they're like trying to structure it so it's not a lease, so you're out of scope? Yeah. Or, yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. So things like making the contract terms be slightly less than 12 months, for example. Okay. So you get the exception. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No conversation about accounting would be you know, yeah. complete okay. without a discussion of non-GAAP measures as well. So one of the things that we've been hearing from investors is that they think that they will probably be the opportunity for management to provide more non-GAAP information and not that that's entirely a bad thing but it does reduce comparability for them and it also raises the question of what is it again that management's trying to put in or take out as a result of the new accounting standard and potentially try to hide the underlying performance there. Going slightly off on a tangent there just because you've talked about non-GAAP measures we've actually done a podcast before and talking about like what is a non-GAAP measure the basics while you're here talking about investors like do they do they like non-GAAP measures or not because they're all put in there to you know give more information about the company and how the company runs and Mm -hmm. but I just like from your I know this is your perspective but do they like non-GAAP measures in principle to put you on the spot yes in (laughs) principle they do like non-GAAP measures because they think it tells them something about the performance of the company it gives management the company the opportunity to tell their story of what their performance is it's not tied specifically to what IFRS says performance looks yeah. like and and they like that they like to see that I think the other thing that they find quite nice about non-GAAP is it is a lot simpler you don't have complex accounting arrangements in it it's yeah. simple math you can yeah. you know, add and subtract things so so they can understand it a lot better what they don't like about it is the the fact that sometimes there are um, adjustments made that are you know potentially paint the picture a bit rosier than what the gap numbers or IFRS numbers say. So that bias, the concerns sometimes they have about reliability of the numbers and consistency period to period. And is anyone really checking it? What's the oversight of this and the governance around it? And uh, that's not always clear. So so I think it's one of those things that they they love, hate it. They like it more than they hate it a lot of times. And they find it to be something that's necessary for their understanding of the business. Because I imagine an, invest, an investor sort of looks at the non-GAAP and then goes, yeah, but I'm going to make my own adjustments. So it looks like it works backwards yeah. and sort of strips out other numbers that they don't agree with and things like that. Some do, but that assumes that someone's got the annual report yeah, or the I know. happy report and they're doing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. We have to remember that a lot of times they're using this information from a data aggregator like Bloomberg yeah. or Thomson Reuters or something, and they're just downloading a spreadsheet and yeah. might already be adjusted, uh, or they're just looking at the earnings release and they're not looking at the annual report unless there's some specific thing they want to look yeah. at. So, uh, so the information yeah. comes in all sorts of 
guises yeah. and formats and so yeah, and they don't like, always oh, make it. I can't really people don't want to read it that's our baby that's what we spend our time in <laughs> but yeah sorry I went off on a tangent there so you were we were talking back about concerns investors might have and you talked about things like maybe hiding bad news boilerplate disclosures non-gap measures did you have any other concerns they might have the the only other one I would add is that the as I mentioned before, there's uncertainty around what the impact is going to be for companies. So to the extent that a company can help, you know, just like putting out earnings expectations and earnings guidance, you know, helping manage the expectations of the market as quickly and as soon as as they can would be really useful because trying to come up with some estimation that, I mean, everyone knows that any kind of estimation is going to be wrong, yeah. but mm-hmm. just, you know, how wrong is it going to be? So, so they're really looking at, I think when the annual reports or the earnings releases come out for 2017, they're going to really be looking for what is the impact on the business quantified yeah. for IFRS 15 so that they can start building that into their quarterly updates. Um, and similarly with IFRS 9. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And it just sort of probably are coming to our last question. Are there any other considerations preparers should keep in mind with these standards? There's a couple of things, because I think, you know, we could sit here and talk about the whatever the specific topic of the accounting standard is. So we're changing revenue, we're changing lease capitalization, for example. Uh, but there are always follow-on effects of these things. And, of course, the investment community is most by and large trying to come up with a valuation of the company and evaluation yeah. requires doing cash flow forecasts most often. So if they are doing their cash flow forecast, you're not just changing the revenue line. There are other implications yeah. as well. So they're going to be cost impacts, they're going to be tax impacts. So trying to explain to the the analysts and investors about what the what all of the impacts are, not just the one that's subject to the accounting standard would be really useful. Another thing that comes up quite often, I think investors and analysts don't have a really good appreciation of the cost of implementing new accounting standards. So they do know that it's costly. They do know there are systems changes, but I think they don't understand necessarily all the you know, the project teams that have to come mm-hmm. into place, the policies that need to be derived, and the systems and software changes and stuff that come with it. So I'm giving them an appreciation for the, the amount of the cost of implementing a new standard is quite useful. It also helps them, again, back to non-GAAP, you know, presumably that will be a backdown yeah. expense in the non-GAAP yeah. numbers because management will say, well, this is not an ongoing charge. So just giving them an idea of what that amount roughly is would be useful. Okay, brilliant. Well, it's nice to think of it from another side, a little bit different for our normal podcast. So thank you very much. I'm sure we'll have you back soon, Hilary, to tell us more about the investor community. So we do have lots more information around this on pwc.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. Happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers, LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.